0: What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome. Boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of Time Out with. Uh, they, uh, I already messed up. God damn it. What the fuck am I. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another episode of Time Out with Tony, your host, Tony episode two folks season two episode two two, two 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 this two that two this and that and this and this and that we're back at it again folks this time well uh, we're gonna take a look at a darker we're gonna take a little a bit of a darker turn today um listener dis- uh I'm sorry uh, shit uh what was it uh viewer discretion advised Uh, The content that we will be talking, the topic of today's episode will be somewhat of a sensitive topic. Um, So I urge you, you know, um, if you're one of those people that, I don't know, has, I don't know, just just give you guys a warning because today we will be taking a darker turn. Today we'll be reviewing uh, uh, and taking a look at a true crime. That happened a few years ago. Uh, but before we get into today's episode, folks, let me just take a quick minute and thank you guys all so much for the support. Really, couldn't have done any of this without you, so keep her going, yeah. Um, I'd say I talk about how well our first episode did, but seeing as I haven't dropped our first episode yet, uh I've still got I'm actually just stacking up the episodes and then dropping them one by one by one by one. <laughs> so really I can't really tell how well first episode did because well it's it's not out yet but um you know just keep that in mind folks uh thank you guys so much for the support this is uh yeah it's pretty much it okay so today's topic uh last season as you could see we did a lot of We review a lot of mystery cases, a lot of murder cases, hijacking cases, stuff like that. And well, today, folks, um, it's not murder mysteries anymore. I'm not going to call it. I'm not going to call the segment murder mysteries. Instead, it'll be known as the true crime segment in which we take a look at various crimes, whether that be robberies, murders, kidnappings, basically the whole anything illegal, (laughs) Uh, basically anything illegal. And, um, And we take a look. You know, review them and stuff like that. Uh, you maybe some of you, a lot of you guys are a huge fan of the true crime segment. I'm calling it a true crime segment now. A lot of you guys are huge uh, listeners, huge fans of true crime segments. I guess watching other stuff is this will get you gets you the jollies. I'm joking, but it seems to be a really popular topic amongst. Uh, amongst my demographics so I thought you know why not kick off season two with another true crime segment and that's exactly what we're going to be taking a look at ladies and gentlemen today we are going to be looking at the Ariel Castro kidnappings now if you um pay attention to pay attention to the news (laughs) since at a young age from a young age you'll know that this was something that caught the attention of national of well pretty much the entire nation it was one i was a i was in i was a fourth grader i think at the time of this happened i don't know fourth grader or fifth grader one of those two and um i don't know this 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 case really just kind of made me sick to my stomach to know that this was going on and the war in the entire world the entire country was oblivious to it and um thankfully thankfully no no people no victims well yes there were victims but no victims were murdered thankfully you know they were able to escape and we'll just get on with a the li- with their lives and um I will just leave it at that like I said before folks you have been warned given of your discretion uh there will be some details some very not vague not very vague details if if uh, if i'm going to be honest there won't be a lot of vague details i'm going straight into the whole shebang whole, I'm getting y'all the whole enchilada and uh i just want to warn you guys you know give you guys a warning. a lot of the stuff that will be said here is disturbing and um yeah you've been warned that's sad all right folks without further ado kick back relax crack with a beer soda water or canned water or whatever I messed that up (laughs) Um, and we'll pretty much enjoy I guess in a way because this is the Ariel Castro kidnappings For those of you that do not know, the Ariel Castro kidnappings were a series of kidnappings that took place between 2002 and 2004 when a disgruntled man named Ariel Castro kidnapped Michelle Knight, Amanda Berry, and Georgina De Jesus, or she was known as Gina. He held them captive in his, tr- in his home in the Trentmont neighborhood of Cleveland, Ohio in the United States. Three girls were imprisoned until May 6, 2013, when Amanda escaped with her six-year-old daughter to whom she had given birth while in prison and contacted the police. Hours later, police rescued Michelle Knight and Gina De Jesus, and Castro was arrested within hours. Two days later, on May 8, 2013, Castro was charged with four counts of kidnapping and three counts of rape. He pleaded guilty to 937 criminal counts of rape. Kidnapping and aggravated murder as part of a plea bargain. He was sentenced to life plus a thousand years in prison without the possibility of parole. Only one month into his sentence on September 3rd, 2013, Castro died by suicide after hanging himself with the bed sheets in his own prison cell. Now let's take a look at the perpetrator's background. What exactly was it about this man that made him do said? These horrible actions? Well, let's take a look. El Castro, born July 10th, 1960, in Dwayaco, Puerto Rico. He was the son of Pedro Castro and Lillian Rodriguez. Castro's parents divorced when he was only a child and he moved to the mainland United States with his mother and three full siblings. There they settled in Reading, Pennsylvania and then moved to Cleveland, Ohio where Castro's father and other family members were living. Castro had nine siblings, both half and full, and graduated from Cleveland's Lincoln High School, Lincoln High West, Lincoln West High School in 1979. Castro met his girlfriend Grimelda Figueroa when he when his family moved into a house across the street from theirs in the 1980s. They lived with both sets of parents, but moved into their own home at 2207 Seymour Avenue in 1992. Their home was a two-story, 1,400 square foot, four uh, four bedroom, one bathroom house with a 760 square foot unfinished basement, built in 1890 and remodeled in 1956. Figueroa's sister, Elita Caraballo, said that, "quote, all hell started breaking loose," end quote, when the couple moved into their moved into their new home. Caraballo and her husband Frank claimed that Castro beat Figueroa, breaking her nose, ribs, arms and causing a blood clot on her brain that resulted in an uh, inoperable tumor. He also threw her down a flight of stairs, cracking her own skull. The year 1993, Castro was arrested for domestic violence but was not indicted, indicted by a grand jury. Figueroa moved out of the home in 1996 and secured custody for her four children. Police insisted in the move and detained Castro, but they did not press charges. Castro continued to threaten and attack Figueroa after she left him, according to Caraballo. Figueroa Figueroa filed charges in 2005 in the Cuyahoga County Domestic Relations Court, accusing him of inflicting multiple severe injuries on her and uh, frequently abducting their daughters. The court granted her a temporary restraining order against Castro, but it was dismissed a few months later. Figueroa died in April 2012 due to complications from a brain tumor. Friends and relatives gathered on Denshin Avenue on April 29th, 2012 for memorial services in her honor. Before his arrest, at the age of 52, Castro was working as a bus driver for the Cleveland Metropolitan School District, but was fired for bad judgment, including making an illegal U-turn with children on the bus, using his bus to go grocery shopping leaving a child on the bus while he went for lunch and leaving the bus unattended while he took a nap at his home. It is said that he was earning only $18.91 per hour when he was discharged. And at the time of his arrest, Castro's home was in foreclosure after three years of unpaid real estate taxes. So as you can obviously see right out of the gate, this guy has a history with the law. This ain't his first rodeo. This whole kidnapping situation wasn't his first rodeo. He had already been notoriously known for doing really what was the word on what was the word I was looking for uh, really stupid things really Ill- illegal things and stuff like that anyways uh, it is said that Castro kidnapped his victims by offering them a ride he drove he he drove each to his home, lured them inside, took them into the basement, and restrained them in his house at 2207 Seymour Avenue, located in Cleveland's residential Tremont neighborhood. The house has since been demolished. First victim Michelle Knight, born April 23, 1981, disappeared on August 23, 2002, after leaving a cousin's house. She was only 21 years old at the time, and on the day of her disappearance, she was scheduled to appear in court for a child custody case involving her son Joey who is in custody of the state. Following Michelle's rescue, police acknowledged that limited resources have been spent on uh, on investigating her disappearance, in part because she was an adult. Authorities had believed that she had run away voluntarily due to anger over losing custody of her son. According to Cleveland Deputy Police Chief Ed Tomba. she was the focus of very few tips. Some have criticized her removal from the National Crime Information Center database. This event happened 15 months after she disappeared, so she was largely unknown prior to her rescue. Cleveland police and the FBI maintained that her inclusion or exclusion had no bearing on her rescue. The second victim, Amanda Marie Berry, born April 22, 1986, disappeared on April 21, literally the day before her 17th birthday. She was last heard from at around 8 p.m. when she called her sister to tell her that she was going to get a ride home from her job at Burger King, located at West 110th Street and Lorraine Avenue. The FBI initially considered her a runaway until a week after her disappearance, when an unidentified male used her cell phone to call her mother, saying, quote, I have a banda, she's fine and will be coming home in a couple of days, end quote. Barry was featured in a 2004 segment of Fox's America's Most Wanted, which linked her to Gina de Jesus, who by that point had also gone missing in Cleveland. Amanda and Gina were profiled on The Oprah Winfrey Show and The Montel Williams Show, where self proclaimed psychic Sylvia Brown told Amanda's mother that, <clears throat> Loana Miller, sorry, in 2004, that her daughter was dead and that she was in water. The pronouncement devastated her mother, causing her to take down pictures and even give away Amanda's computer. However, Miller continued to search Amanda, for Amanda before dying from heart failure in early of March 2006. Later that year, on Christmas Day 2006, Amanda gave birth to a daughter, and DNA evidence has confirmed that Ariel Castro was the father of the child. Robert Wolford, who was a prison inmate who had lived in the Trentmont neighborhood, claimed in July of 2012 that he had information about the location of Amanda's body. He led police to an empty law on Cleveland's west side where they conducted a fruitless search. He was sentenced in January 2013 to four and a half years in prison for obstruction of justice, making a false report and making a false alarm. The third and final victim, Georgina de Jesus, or she was known as Gina, born February 13, 1990, went missing at the age of 14. She was last seen at a payphone at around 3pm on April 2, 2004 while well, on the way home from her middle school at West 105th Street and Lorraine Avenue. At the time, she was friends with Ariel Castro's daughter, Arlene Castro. Shortly before Gina disappeared, she and Arlene had called Arlene's mother, Grimilda Figueroa, for permission to have a sleepover at De Jesus's house. But Figueroa replied that they could not and the two girls parted ways. Arlene was the last person to see De Jesus before her disappearance. Gina was under the impression that Ariel Castro was picking her up to drop her off at home, and she trusted Ariel because she was friends with his teenage daughter. No one witnessed the abduction, and an Amber Alert was not issued, which angered her father. He said in 2006, quote, The Amber Alert should work for any missing child, whether it's an abduction or a runaway. A child needs to be found. We need to change this law, end quote. About a year after her disappearance, the FBI released a composite sketch and description of a male suspect described as Latino, 25 to 35 years of age, uh, uh, 5 feet to 10 inches, um, 165 to 185 pounds, with green eyes, a goatee, and possibly a pencil-thin beard. According to court records, Castro at the time was 5'7", 179 pounds, with brown eyes, and a goatee. Gina was featured in America's Most Wanted segment, which linked her to Amanda Berry. The disappearances received regular media attention into 2012, while the families held public vigils. Ariel Castro actually attended at least two of these vigils and reportedly participated in a search party and tried to get close to Gina's family. Castro's son, Anthony Castro, was a journalism student in the year 2004 and interviewed Gina's mother for an article about the disappearance about the disappearances in plain press. Police kept the investigation open and even offered um, a uh, $25,000 reward for information. According to Castro's uncle, his family knew the, uh, the De Jesus family and had lived in the same West Cleveland neighborhood. Castro eventually claimed that he was not aware that Gina was a member of that family when he had abducted her. Castro kidnapped Michelle Knight, took her upstairs, tied her hands and feet together, and pulled her up using her hands, feet, and neck. He left her there for three days with no food whatsoever. Prosecutors at Castro's sentencing wrote that diaries kept by the woman uh speak of forced sexual conduct of being locked in a dark room of anticipating the next session of abuse of the dreams of someday escaping and being reunited with family of being chained to a wall of being held like a prisoner of war of missing the lives they once enjoyed of emotional abuse of his threats to kill of being treated like an animal of continuous abuse and desiring freedom The women were kept in a locked upstairs bedroom where they were forced to use plastic toilets that were emptied infrequently. They were always fed one meal a day and were allowed to shower only like twice a week. And I told police that Castro had impregnated her at least five times and induced miscarriages each time through the beatings, hitting her with dumbbells, punching her, and even slamming her against the walls. He even starved her. Michelle's grandmother told reporters that she would require facial reconstruction surgery due to the beatings that she had endured and even lost hearing in one year. At one point, she even had a pet dog in captivity, but Castro killed it by snapping its neck after it bit him while trying to protect Michelle. Gina told law enforcement that she was raped, but did not believe that she was ever impregnated. On Christmas Day 2006, Castro allegedly ordered Michelle to assist in the birth of Amanda's child, which took place in a small inflatable swimming pool and even threatened to kill her if the baby did not survive. At one point, the baby stopped breathing, but Michelle was able to resuscitate her. Castro occasionally took her out of the house, which included uh, to visit his mother. She called him Daddy and Castro's grandmother, Grandmother. In 2013, he showed one of his adult daughters a picture of her and said that she was his girlfriend's daughter from a previous relationship. He had also told others that he was a granddaughter. Barry taught her how to read and uh, just pretty much write. and according to a statement from Cleveland police, the officers visited Castro's home only once following the kidnappings and it was to discuss an unrelated incident. Castro did not appear to be home at the time and was later interviewed elsewhere. Neighbors even claimed to have called the police about suspicious activity observed at the home but police have said that they have no record of such calls. Castro's son Anthony reported that there were certain areas of the house that were inaccessible due to being locked. He also mentioned on an occasion three weeks before the women's escape when Castro asked asked him if Amanda Barry would ever be found Anthony said that he told Castro that Barry was likely dead to which Castro responded quote really you think so end quote NBC affiliate W WKYC reported that Castro recalled each one of the three abductions in great detail during this interrogation and indicated that they were unplanned crimes of opportunity. According to WKYC sources, Castro did not have an exit plan and believed that he would eventually be caught. He referred to himself as as a cold-blooded sex addict. Police found a suicide note in his home which discussed the abductions and wrote that his money and possessions should be given to the kidnapped women were he ever caught. On May 6, 2013, Amanda Berry was finally able to make contact with Castro's neighbors, leading her, leading to her escape with 6-year-old daughter and the rescue of Gina and Michelle by authorities. According to police, Castro left the house that day and Berry realized that he had failed to lock the big inside door, although an exterior stormboard was bolted. She did not attempt to break through the outer door because she thought that Castro was testing her, according to the police report. It is said that Castro had previously tested the women by leaving the house partially unlocked and the exit insecure. insecure. They attempted to escape, he would beat them. Instead, Amanda screamed for help when she saw the neighbors through the screen door. Neighbor Angel Cordero responded to the screaming and was able to communicate with Amanda because he spoke very little English. Neighbor Charles Ramsey joined Cordero at the at the house's front door during the rescue they kicked a hole through the bottom of the storm door and barry crawled through carrying her daughter ramsey said that amanda told her told him that she and her child were being kept inside against their will upon being freed she went to the house of another spanish-speaking neighbor and with ramsey's assistance called 911 saying quote help me i've been kidnapped and i've been missing for 10 years and i'm free now end quote Responding police officers entered Castro's home, they walked through an upstairs hallway with guns drawn announcing themselves as Cleveland police after peeking through a slightly open bedroom door. Michelle entered the hallway and leaped into, into an officer's arms repeatedly saying, quote, you saved me, end quote. Soon after, Gina entered the hallway from another room. Um, sorry Uh, Michelle and Gina walked out of the house and all three women plus the child were taken to Metro Health Medical Center there Amanda and Gina were released from the hospital the next day and Michelle was discharged four days later on May 10th The rescue of the women also reignited hope for the family of Ashley Summers, another young woman who disappeared in Cleveland in early July 2007 after leaving her home after a dispute with her parents. Police initially believed that there could be other captives in the Seymour Avenue home, but none unfortunately were found, and as of January 2021, Summers remains missing. In the aftermath of all these kidnappings, Amanda, Michelle, and Gina released a video statement on July 9, 2013 thanking the public for their support. An attorney for Amanda and Gina said that the women, quote, still have a strong desire for their privacy, end quote, and did not wish to speak to the media about their ordeal. The Cleveland Courage Fund is a backing account set up to help the women in their transition to independent life, which collected approximately $1.5 million at the time of the video's release. Before Amanda's disappearance, her grandfather had promised to give her a classic Chevrolet Monte Carlo built in the year when she was born. He kept the car after her kidnapping in case she was found alive. He still had it for her when she was released, although it was in need of restoration from having been unused. Several automotive shops offered to perform the restoration for free. Michelle discussed some of her ordeals in an interview with People magazine one year after her release, as well as her life leading up to her adoption. Since her rescue, she legally changed her name to Lily Rose Lee and began getting several tattoos as her way of coping with the healing process. She also revealed that her son was adopted by her fo- by his foster parents while she was in captivity and that she wanted to see him but does not want to bring him into the ordeal which has which she has had to deal with and plans to see him when he becomes an adult. She planned to open a restaurant and dream of getting married, which she did so in the year 2016 and she hopes to adopt children as her years of abuse and torture have made it unlikely for her to ever be able to conceive. She also planned to reunite with Amanda and, G- and Gina in the near future but began focusing on getting her own life back on track. Amanda and Gina received honorary diplomas from John Marshall High School in 2015. In an interview with WKYC-TV, Gina says that she is currently volunteering for the Amber Alert community, offering comfort to families of abducted children. She remains in touch with Amanda and her family. In February 2017, Amanda joined the staff of WJW in Cleveland where she hosts short recurring segments in which she reports missing person cases. She does this to help families. Reunite with their missing Flammy members. In April 2019, Amanda reunited with Charles Ramsey six years into rescue at an interview that was broadcast by Fox 8. As part of a plea bargain, the house where Castro had lived and held the women captive was demolished on August 7, 2013. Michelle was present and handed out yellow balloons to spectators, which she was which she said represented missing children. The balloons were released before Gina's aunt began the demolition with a swing of a crane house has been completely blurred out of the street view on Google Maps Castro was found uh, sorry, I I, sorry I, apologize. I I went too far ahead god damn it okay damn Gina's and demolishing that shit I don't know man that sounds kind of badass should have been there to see I don't know I just why wa- I just love watching shit get demolished she would have been cool now I said before Castro unfortunately did kill himself motherfucker trying to escape Ayo Keshe was found hanging from a bed sheet in his detention cell at the Correctional Reception Center in Orient, Ohio, on the evening of September third, two thousand thirteen. Only one month into his life sentence, he was fifty three at the time of his death. It is said that prison staff performed CPR on him before he was taken to Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center in Columbus, where he was pronounced dead shortly after. The following day, Franklin County Coroner Jan Corn Jan Gorniac, sorry, announced that a preliminary autopsy had found to cause the death of Castro's to-be suicide by hanging. A month later, on October 10, 2013, the Ohio Department of Rehabilitation and Correction released a report which suggested that Castro may have died accidentally from an auto-erotic asphyxiation rather than suicide. Korniak rejected the possibility, standing by her ruling of suicide. The report had also said that two prison guards had falsified logs documenting their observation of Castro hours before he was found dead. Castro was not on suicide watch at the time of his death, but had been subjected to routine checks every 30 minutes due to his nor due to his noriety. Sorry, that's, that's a hard word to pronounce. A consultant's report was released on December 3rd and officially concluded that all available evidence pointed to suicide, including a shrine-like arrangement of family pictures and a Bible in Castro's cell, an increasing tone of frustration in his prison journal and the reality of spending the rest of his life in prison while subjecting to constant harassment. The Ohio Highway State Patrol also reviewed the case and and reached the same conclusion as well. As far as the Ariel Castro kidnappings go, well, that's pretty much it, ladies and gentlemen. I'd say that There are some happy endings to this case, but unfortunately, there are some sad ones as well. The happy ending would be the women being able to escape and being able to get on with their lives, do something, uh, make something of themselves, do something with their lives, you know, instead of spending all their time, you know, locked in at home, suffering, suffering from the trauma. I can't imagine how difficult it must have been for these women to endure all that, to be stuck in there with no... With some sense of hope, but not a lot. You know what I'm saying? I know that for sure that if I was put into their situation, I know I would have lost hope of getting out very soon. I mean, yeah, sure, I may have tried to escape, concocted several plans to escape, but I don't know, man. A lot of these, I, I'd say I'd have I'd have to admire, admire them for their sense of hope that one day they'd be able to return to... Their life. Uh, my only, the only reason as to why I say that this is a complete, that I'm not not complete. That why, I, oh, god damn it. The only reason as to why I say that this is somewhat of a sad ending is that, uh, I, with my with um Amanda and Gina. That's I feel bad that they weren't able to experience you know their final years in high school their early years of adulthood instead they were spending it in a dark dark place with, uh, with with where they were being abused where they were being tortured where they were being fearful for their lives basically every day they could have thought you know this is gonna be my final day this is gonna be my final day you know it's it's really eye-opening to put yourself into that kind of a situation and see really what the human mind could think, comprehend. You know, it's it's just sad, you know, to see that these girls weren't able to experience what they what a lot of people consider to be the years in which they learn some of the most important life lessons in which they will carry for Uh, for the rest of their lives and sure from this whole kidnapping thing they may have learned a lot of a lot of lessons that you know who knows maybe they could be using in in their current daily life but it sucks you know that they had to learn it like this they they had to learn it the hard way They, they didn't they didn't learn it you know like most people do by having a mentor, a guide, like parents and stuff like that. It, it sucks that these people had to learn it the hard way. They had to live through that. It it just sucks, man. It just sucks. And another, another reason as to why I hate the aftermath of this would be Ariel Castro's suicide. I, like, why? I, just why? You know what I'm saying? I, for one, am not really... I'm really glad they didn't give him the death penalty and not because, oh, life is a life. i right? really, uh, really confused about that. But anyways, I'm happy that they didn't give him the death penalty because he, 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 he would have had to spend the rest of his entire life in a prison cell, confined inside of a box, constantly harassed, constantly bullied, and for a good reason, too, you know. He got what he deserved, except for the suicide part. He did not deserve that. He deserved to... Live out the rest of his days in there, die of old age. Not just, you know, kill himself just like that. And that's really what pissed me off, personally. You know, a coward. Basically went out as, as a coward. As, as, a, as a degenerate. But it is what it is. Who knows? He probably would have escaped or something like that. I don't know. Something like that. And, uh, yeah. far as the kidnappings go thankfully it's come to an end it's come to a halt um pretty sure the only way we'll hear from these victims again is if they do something uh that catches the attention of the media if they i don't know just i i highly doubt that we'll be hearing from these people you know considering that they'll be going on with their lives living it to as normal as they can obviously you know when one experiences this, this kind of thing they never go back never comes never never they never remain the same you know they come out a different person and yeah they, they never go back to where they were they they who knows maybe they could be they could be having these kind of dreams which they make up in the middle of the night which they fantasize well not fantasize but have these night these nightmares these visions that they're still back in that, in that dark household, tortured, afraid of their lives. Yeah, sure, they may be back to their normal lives, but really, if you ask me, I don't, I don't think that pain goes away. That trauma, I don't really think it goes away. Um, yeah, I'll just leave it at that, folks. Wow, what a case, all right, folks. Drew's segments. A lot of this. Ooh, Jesus. You know, uh, I really got to start doing these true crime shankers with someone in the room because I feel like someone is going to pick up, like come up from behind and just straight up strangle me. I don't know why. I feel like that's what's going to happen. I really got to do this with someone in the room right now. I'm entirely alone in my room. There's no one around me. And for all I know, D.B. Cooper could sneak up from behind and fucking take me to the other side. God damn it. Wow, but um, who knows? Maybe you guys are probably listening to this alone in the dark. Boo! I got you, bitch. I'm joking. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much. We're gonna cut it off here, ladies and gentlemen. Um, what do you guys think on this case? Um, let me know your thoughts on this case. If you agree with what I said or if you've got something different to say, let me know by DMing us at Timeout underscore With underscore Tony Podcast. Uh, that's literally the only way you could actually contact us. <laughs> uh, feel free to DM us. Give us your opinions on this. Give us your view on this. Um, uh, and feel free to drop in some criticism. I, I'm always open to criticism. Always open for that shit. Um, not like a lot of these people who take it up the ass. I'll, I'll take, I'll take criticism, you know, much I'll take it like a champ, you know. Feel free, hope, I, I, I'll, I'll accept it with open arms and stuff like that. And, um... Yeah, I'm think we're gonna cut it off at this, ladies and gentlemen. Don't forget to spread the word. You know, tell your mama, tell your papa, tell your broski, tell your sister, tell your tell your homies, tell your girlfriend, tell your boyfriend, tell everybody around you. Tell your nana, tell your uh, yeah, tell your tell your nana, nana, your your nanny, tell your babysitter, tell your your your. your 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 post the postman tell the fucking grocery store worker tell everybody about this podcast man spread the fucking word you know a lot of people out here they're trying to find a good podcast and it's been right in front of their faces the entire time man come 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 check us out you know what i'm saying check us out yo i don't want to go to college fuck college i want to make something of myself okay (laughs) all right folks uh we're gonna cut it off right now uh, thank you guys so much for the support. Once again, spread the word. You know, tell everybody. Take a minute out of your day. Tell people. Fuck it. Go to your online classes and tell people. You know, hey yo, check out Time Out with Tony, hosted by that one foot Tony with three wives. Check me out, yo yo. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you guys so much for the support. And well, we'll catch you all in the next episode. Thank you. Take care. Stay safe. Don't get into any strangers' cars. Learn from these cases. And uh, yeah. Take care. See ya. have I've seen better days.